All right. Uh, once again, we're, we're starting in chapter 1. I mean, chapter 37, verse 1. Let's go ahead and read this, uh, read the verses. Uh, it says, Then Bezalel made the ark of acacia wood. Two and a half cubits was its length, a cubit and a half its width, and a cubit and a half its height. He overlaid it with pure gold inside and outside, and he made a molding of gold all around it. And he cast for it four rings of gold to be set in the four corners, two rings on one side and two rings on the other side of it. He made poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. And he put the poles into the rings at the sides of the ark to bear the ark. He also made the mercy seat of pure gold. Two and a half cubits was its length and a cubit and a half its width. He made two cherubim of beaten gold. He made them with one piece at the two ends of the mercy seat. One cherub at one end of, on this side and the other cherub at the other end on, the, on that side. He made the cherubim at the two ends of one piece with the mercy seat. The cherubim spread out their wings above and covered the mercy seat with their wings. They faced one another. The faces of the cherubim were toward the mercy seat. Verse 10 says, And he made the table of acacia wood. Two cubits was its length, a cubit its width, and a cubit and a half its height. And he overlaid it with pure gold and made a molding of gold all around it. Also he made a frame of, of a hand breadth all around it and made a molding of gold for the frame all around it. And he cast for it four rings of gold and put the rings on the four corners that were at its four legs. The rings were close to the frame as the holders for the poles to bear the table. And he made the poles of acacia wood to bear the table and overlaid them with gold. He made, he made of pure gold the utensils which were on the table, its dishes, its cups, its bowls, and its pitchers for pouring. He also made the lampstand of pure gold, of hammered work he made the lampstand. Its shaft, its branches, its bowls, its ornamental knobs, and its flowers were of the same piece. And six branches came out of its sides. Three branches of the lampstand out of one side, and three branches out of the lampstand out of the other side. There were three bowls made like almond blossoms on one branch with an ornamental knob and a flower, and three bowls made like almond blossoms on the other branch with an ornamental knob and a flower. And so for the six branches coming out of the lampstand. And on the lampstand itself were four bowls made like almond blossoms, each with its ornamental knob and flower. There was a knob under the first two branches of the same, a knob under the second two branches of the same, and a knob under the third two branches of the same, according to the six branches extended from it. Their knobs and their branches were of one piece. All of it was according to the six branches extending from it. I'm sorry, there, their knobs and their branches were of one piece. All of it was one hammered piece of pure gold. And he made its seven lamps, its wick trimmers, and its trays of pure gold. Of a talent of pure gold he made it with all its utensils. Verse 25 says, And he made the incense altar of acacia wood. Its length was a cubit and its width a cubit. It was square, and the two cubits was its height. Its horns were of one piece with it, and he overlaid it with pure gold, its top, its sides all around, and its horns, and its horns. He also made for it a molding of gold all around it. He made two rings of gold for under, for under its molding by its two corners on both sides as holders for the poles which with which to bear it. And he made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. 
He also made the holy anointing oil and the pure incense of sweet spices according to the work of the perfumer. I know there's a lot of details in there. Uh, God is a God of details. You know, there's a reason he has all those details in there. One day they're going to rebuild this, this uh, temple. You know, this, this was the tabernacle, but they're going to rebuild the temple, and they're going to have all those utensils. They're going to have everything just like it says in here. You know, how do they know exactly how to make it? Just like Bezalel. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And God's going to fill his people with his Holy Spirit, just like he fills everyone here with his Holy Spirit to, to give us the ability to do the work that he's called us to do. You know, I'd like to say that, that this uh, study in the book of Exodus has been eye-opening to me. You know, it's an amazing book. You know, over all the years that I've, I've read the Bible, I've kind of just read through Exodus and I've never really gone in deep. <laughs> and it's amazing all that you can learn when you go in deep to a book. You know, I never had my pastor in the past, my other pastor, you know, I never had him go in detail that I, that I remember in Exodus. And it's just the, the types and the, and the, the, the symbolism in, in Exodus and, and all of it that it speaks of. It's incredible. You know, it shows how great and awesome our God is. You know, and this is, this is just like the, the tabernacle. It's the place where man goes to meet God, you know, to worship God. And, and, and we can worship God right through his word, you know. It's incredible. Uh, last week we saw through Pete's study how God had gifted these men, Bezalel and Aholiab, to do the building, to do the building of the tabernacle and how he would give them the ability to teach talented men. You know, I'd also like to note one thing, uh, that this man Bezalel, like I mentioned a minute ago, was filled with the Holy Spirit, which was a a rare occurrence in the, in the old Testament. You know, he fills us with his Holy Spirit, but they, they, they had times when the Holy Spirit would come upon them to do a certain thing, you know, but, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit to do this work because God wanted this work done right. And he, you know, and it, and it, what it represents is, is incredible. <clears throat> uh, Pete had also mentioned how God gifts us with certain gifts and that we should never bury them. You know, if, if he calls us to do something, he will also equip us to do that. And it won't take place until we take that step of faith. You know, we, we can have a gift to do something, but if we just sit and don't do anything with it, we're never going to know the power of God upon us to do that, that work that God has called us to. You know, we can, we can, we can have great gifts that God has given us, and, and if we just sit, we're never going to know, guys. We gotta, once, once you take that step of faith, God empowers you and gives you the ability, you know, just take that step. I, I encourage any, any of you guys here that, that are thinking about stepping out, you know, maybe you're not serving and, and God's calling you to do something or, or whether it's at home or, or whether it's at work, you know, ca- calling you to, to speak up, you know, take that step of faith. God will give you the ability. You know, if he's called you to do that, he's going he's gonna to equip you. He's going to give you those words. He's going to do whatever you, he needs you to do. He's going to do it through you as long as you're looking to him. You know, Pete also mentioned that we should never uh, boast in anything. You know, it's, it, it's not about us. It's all about Jesus. Everything we have is because of him. He also mentioned that when we have an opportunity to serve, when an opportunity comes up that we need to take Take it now, you know, we might, we might lose that opportunity and then, then we're going to look back and regret, you know, not doing that thing that God had for us. In preparing for this message tonight, I, you know, I, I I know we we went through in, in chapter 25, almost identically what we're, what we read here tonight, chapter 25 and part of chapter 30. 
And, uh, you know, I had to ask the Lord, what do you, what do you want me to share with these guys? Because it, it was already covered well. And I know Pete, last week, he, he had to go through the same kind of thing. You know, it's almost identical. I, I'm like, why, why, Lord, did you mention it twice? You know, what do you, what do you want, to, want to tell us? <clears throat> you know, uh, Mike Rocha and, and, and Frankie, they did, they did uh, great jobs on expounding on, on these things. And uh, in those chapters, we learned all about these items of, of the furniture in the, in the, ta- in the tabernacle and, uh, that God commanded Moses to have made and, and what they represented and and now in chapter 37 we we have the same thing but just the making of the items you know one thing i believe that god when god repeats something he wants us to to know what he what why he's repeating it what he's saying you know similar to a parent when they repeat themselves uh to get their point across to their child you know what is this what is the tabernacle? What are all these uh, pieces in the uh, furniture in the tabernacle? What do they represent? You know, what are they for? In in Philippians four eight it says, "Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, and if there is any virtue." And if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You know, in other words, uh, think deeply or carefully about them. In Psalm 145.5, it says, I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. And I think that's what God wants us to do. You know, meditate on his wondrous works, his majesty, his glory, you know, this, this whole tabernacle and all these pieces were meant to come and to worship God, to, to you know, they, they, the, the Israelites, they sinned, you know, and, and, and Moses went up to get the tabernacle, the, the, the instructions of the tabernacle up on the mountain, you know, and, and God already provided that tabernacle before, you know, as a way out looking forward to what Jesus was going to do later on to cover their sins, you know, because he wants to have fellowship with them. He wants to have fellowship with us. So we want to look back, look back at what God did and and look at back at at even at chapter twenty five. It says what what did I, I put what did God show us about these things back in twenty five and thirty? Let us be reminded and let us think deeply and carefully on them. In Exodus twenty five one through nine, it says, "Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering." From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair, ram skin dyed red, badger skins and acacia wood, oil for the light, and spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. Onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate, and let us make and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you. That is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of its furnishings. Just so you shall make it. You know, it's talking about the the pattern for the furnishings. It's it's interesting to note in this passage. That God provided all these items of the tabernacle when the Israelites were fleeing from Egypt. <laughs> you know, the same is for us. 
you know, God will provide all our riches according to his glory in Christ Jesus. As long as we are following him. It's also interesting to note that how the people gave all the things in abundance, you know, so much that they had to stop giving because it was too much. You know, if only the church today would be that way, you know, we, 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 we would have everything taken care of. You know, if we were to give like they gave here, of course, everything that we have given to us, God had to first give it to it, give it to us for us to give back to him. You know, what is it for us to give something when, when God provides everything that we get? <laughs> you know, this is convicting for me. You know, do I give everything that, that God gives me? Do I pour it out as, a, as, a, as an offering to him? You know, he gives us so, so richly. I mean, he prov- provides everything that we need. Not always those, those things that we want, but everything that we need. Also, it says in Exodus 12, 35 through 36. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses. And they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they requested. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. (laughs) They plundered. I mean, here we see that, you know, the word plunder is like taking the spoil. It, it's, it's a, you know, a, a term for, for when you had, were at war with somebody. You know, they usually plunder them and they take the spoil. <clears throat> this is what happened with the Israelites, with the Egyptians. They, basically, they took the spoil. <clears throat> now it was the time for the Egyptians to pay up for all those years of slavery that they went through because God had a plan. God had a plan. And look at, look at all that stuff. I mean, look at how much it took. Pete was giving us an idea of what it took to build that, that tabernacle last week. You know, there's a lot of gold, a lot of, I mean, you can imagine jewelry and stuff. They're, they're all taking off all this stuff. And they're, it, it's, it's to make that whole tabernacle. Everything's quote, uh, covered, overlaid in gold. It's amazing, amazing how much gold and silver and bronze they had. But they plundered them. They plundered them good. God did. And I'm sure after all the plagues and everything that happened, they were probably happy to give it up just to get rid of these guys. I mean, they saw what God was doing through them, you know, and with them. They're they like, okay, get out of here. Enough, take everything. You know, leave us alone, probably. In addition to providing everything, he also gifted these men with talents to build these things. You know, and God has gifted and gifted each and every one of us with gifts. Do we know what they are? Are we using them? Because God wants to use you. All he's looking for is an available heart, willing heart to do whatever he's got. And we got a short amount of time to do it because <clears throat> I believe he's coming soon. He was preparing them back when they were slaves back in Egypt as they learned everything. They were, they were doing all kinds of trades and things for the Egyptians as slaves. They were learning all these talents and the, these things that, that they needed to build this tabernacle. <clears throat> Sometimes we too are wondering why we're having difficult times and about the things that we're going through. And later on, we find out looking back that we were in these difficult times because God was preparing us. God was teaching us, and God was providing for us for the things that he has for us. You know, sometimes we're going through troubles and stuff, and we don't understand it. God is, God is molding us and shaping us. 
He, he wants us to rely on Him. He wants us to take us to that next step, that step in faith. <clears throat> you know, it's amazing through the study of the tabernacle and all the articles that are in it that the Lord shows us that He cares a lot about aesthetics, you know, and that He's a God of beauty, design, and details. You know, God, God is a mathematician. He's a, <laughs> he made mathematics. He's, he's, he's into very intricate, fine details and, and everything that he has all, I mean, just, I mean, you know, the numbers in the Bible, how they represent different things. Seven is completeness. Six is the number of man. Forty, judgment. You know, all these different things. God is a, you know, he's into details and he works it all together somehow. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it blows your mind if you really start to think about the details. Look, look at the, the universe and everything. You know, our body is a universe inside of itself. You know, all the microorganisms and the everything. It's amazing. <clears throat> you know, he, he also... Also how... This tabernacle and all the items in in it point to Jesus Christ. All the types and the shadows. It's all about Jesus. The whole Bible from beginning to end, it's all about Jesus. <laughs> and, and sometimes you've got to search because it, he's there in every chapter of the book. But, but you only find that out when you go in deep. <clears throat> God not only, you know, you know, it's also awesome how he, he works every, the, the salvation, the whole salvation story through the tabernacle, you know, and through these items. God not only provided everything they needed, but he also wanted Moses to have it all made exactly the way he showed him on the mountain. As this tabernacle was a copy and a shadow of the things in heaven. Hebrews 8, 5 says, Who served the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. It was to be exactly the way God showed Moses on the mountain. It was to represent the one in heaven, the one we worship. Every detail of the tabernacle and the items that were in it speak of Christ and his perfection and how he is the tabernacle of God and he is to dwell with us. It says in Revelation 21.3, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. The word here for dwell, I know others have mentioned it, it's tabernacle. This is to be the place of fellowship with God. And there is only one way to come, and that's through the blood. The blood of Jesus. Uh, of course, the tabernacle is the blood through the, the sacrificial lamb or the sacrifice. So let's take a look at chapter 27 now, and we'll break it down into five parts. The first part is, uh, number one, making the ark of the testimony. This is verses 1 through 9. Two, making the table of his showbread, verses 10 through 16. Three, making the gold lampstand, verses 17 through 24. And four, making the altar of incense, verse 24 through 28. And fifth, making the anointing oil in the incense, incense verse 29. So uh, the first one, making the ark of the testimony, says, Then Bezalel made the ark of, the, of acacia wood, two and a half cubits was its length, a cubit and a half its width, and a cubit and a half its height. He overlaid it with pure gold inside and outside, 
and made a molding of gold all around it. You know, in, in our measurements, this, this is approximately three and a quarter uh, feet long, two and a quarter feet wide, and about two and a quarter feet high. We, here we have an example how God filled Bezalel with the Holy Spirit for the work he had. So this work would only be done exactly how God wanted it. He also appointed a holy ab to come alongside of him and, and, and all the other gifted artisans to help in this work. You know, like I said before, he's a God of details. And he wants us to do, be done right. Those of us who serve him, we need to take our service very seriously and, and, and represent him well and do these things with excellence. You know, we don't want to do it half-heartedly. We want, if we're going to do anything for the Lord, we have to do it with our whole heart. You know, not, not just give it a little bit here and a little bit there, but, but do everything you do as unto the Lord, a, a whole heart, wholeheartedly. With excellence, this ark, uh, the Hebrew word for ark, simply means a box-like container. And, and in in the Bible, we see three arks, three arks in the in the Bible. And uh, first, we have the ark of Noah, which was overlaid with uh, inlaid and overlaid with pitch. Then we have the uh, sorry. Okay, the, the word pitch in Hebrew is kafar, which all, which means covering, and it's usually a, translated atonement. An example of this is in Leviticus seventeen eleven. An atonement was always made with the blood of the innocent animal. Innocent sacrifice. The Ark of Moses also was covered with pitch as a protection. And with both these arcs, the pitch represented a type of the blood. You know, a covering or atonement. See, the Ark for Moses as he was going down the, down the riverbed, it was overlaid in pitch. You know, that, that was his covering, his atonement. Same thing with the, the Ark of Noah. You know, they were... They were sealed inside the ark and the, the covering. <laughs> we see the, the covering there, too. <clears throat> then we, have, we come here and we have the ark of the testimony, which was made of wood and overlaid with gold, inside and outside. Wood, wood again, speaking of uh, Christ's humanity, and gold, speaking of his deity, as we've learned in previous uh, studies. This gold would protect and preserve the ark forever. The ark, you know, was sprinkled with blood of the lamb's sacrifice once a year as Aaron would go in to the Holy of Holies to make atonement for the people. And this was symbolizing the blood of Christ that was going to come later. The final sacrifice and atonement for our sins. In this ark we will one day see again in heaven. It says in Revelation eleven nineteen, Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in the temple. So somehow the ark that was here on earth, that's going to be up in heaven kind of raptured or something. <laughs> we, we don't, it doesn't say how it happens, but that ark is going to be in heaven. <clears throat> the ark of the te testimony was the most important piece of furniture in the entire tabernacle, modeled after the throne of God in heaven. It speaks of our safety and our security for all that come to him through the rent or torn, torn rent, just means torn, veil. And now we, we have direct access to the Father through the Son. 
You know, we, we sang that song, uh, Mercy Triumphs Over Judgment. And it made me think of the ark. As we were singing that song, the ark has the mercy seat over the top of the ark. And inside the ark is the Ten Commandments, which is the judge, uh, judgment. You know, if we, if we live according to the commandments, we're going to be judged. But the, but the mercy seat, because we fail, we all fail to, to live up to the Ten Commandments. We can't keep them perfectly. That's why God, the, the mercy seat is over the top. And now we have direct access because of the blood, that atonement that covers our sin. So God sees us as if we had never sinned. Because of the blood. But that's a need, need, need. Mercy triumphs over judgment, you know. He, God is merciful God. It's His grace. His grace and mercy. The, the Ark of the Testimony represented the presence of God with His people. And His power went with them wherever they took the Ark. You can see this in Joshua 3.6 and Numbers 10. 33 through 35. And the, and the power was not in the ark of the testimony itself. Sorry, I lost my... The ark was only represented, only represented the presence of God with his people. A good, you know, a good question for us is do we realize as a born-again believer that we're, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit? You know, just like the tabernacle. God was dwelling in the tabernacle. He, he, but we too, we, we have the, the Holy Spirit with us at all times. And we have, the, we have our God with us. And... It, but how, much, how many of us really realize as we're going through the day, doing our daily deeds, whatever it is, that, that God is with us the whole time? You know, we, we, can, we can panic when something comes up. We can, we can mess up and sin. And we're really not having our eyes on, on God. You know, this is conviction for all of us. I know. How often do we take our eyes off the Lord when he's right in us? He's in our temple right here in our He dwells in and with his people. In Exodus twenty five, sixteen it says uh, about God telling Moses, it says, And you shall put into the ark of testimony which I that would I which I give to you. You know, he's that that is a copy of the law into the ark of the testimony. He mentions here, I will give, give you. God told Moses to build the Ark of the Testimony to hold the law even before the law was given. Later, God would instruct Israel to put other things in the Ark as well. The golden pot of, that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables, tablets of the covenant. And we see this in uh, Hebrews 9.4. Verse 3, and it says, And he cast for it four rings of gold to be set in the four corners, two rings on one side and two rings on the other side. He made poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. He put the poles into the sides, the rings at the sides of the ark to bear the ark. You know, these uh, poles were to remain in the rings attached to the ark, and it was, and it was to be only... The only means by which he uh, coming in contact with the ark to to move it and and uh, it was forbidden for anyone to touch the ark. In Second Samuel six seven through six through seven, it says Uzzah touched the ark to keep it from falling off the cart, but he did not touch it at the poles, and God struck him dead. You know he was obedient to the command of God. God told them not to touch the ark. And, and, and if this ark was falling, God tells you not to touch it. You, you don't touch it. 
you know, God, I don't think God would have a problem keeping that thing on the, on, <laughs> I know, I know it's kind of hard to think of us going through that. I would think, okay, I, I want to try to save this thing, but God commanded them not to touch it. That'd be a hard one, difficult probably for all of us. <clears throat> probably, I probably would have got struck dead too, thinking I got, I got to try to catch this thing. I know I threw out my back one time trying to help a friend, and instead of we were carrying something too heavy, instead of dropping the thing, we lost control of it. Instead of dropping the thing, I tried to save it, and I, I ended up messing up my back. And <laughs> I wish I would have let it go, but. We ended up saving it, but yeah. In verse 6, it says, He also made the mercy seat of pure gold. Two and a half cubits was its length, and a cubit and a half was his width. He made two cherubim of beaten gold. He made them of one piece at the two ends of the mercy seat. One cherub at one end on this side, and another cherub at the other end on that side. He made the cherubim at the two ends of one piece with the mercy seat. The cherubim spread out their wings above and covered the mercy seat with their wings. They faced one another. The, ch- the faces of the cherubim were towards the mercy seat. You know, this mercy seat was actually the lid of the ark. <clears throat> Within the ark, of course, was the law of God which spoke of judgment and, and demanded death of the sinner. You know, above the ark was the covering. This is a mercy seat sprinkled with the blood of the sacrificial lamb, symbolizing what Jesus would come to do later on. You know, Jesus is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the propitiation for our sin. Simply means the payment in full. Jesus is a final sacrifice. No more sacrifices needed. Not ours or anybody's. We we should all rest in the in the work that Jesus Christ has done. You know, not to try to work our way to heaven. Not to not okay. I got to serve. I got to do this. Do that. Do this. Do that. You know, a lot of us we get caught up in serving a lot, and we we think we're we're doing God a favor by us serving. Of course, God wants us to serve. One day we're going to stand before him. He's going to say, enter in my good and faithful servant or depart, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of lawlessness. You know, and, and, I did this in your name. I did that in your name. You know, it's a fine line. Are we, are we worshiping him? Are we serving him out of worship? We all got to check ourselves on that. He came to make atonement for our sins. This throne of judgment now becomes the throne of grace to all who have put their trust in him. In the finished work of Christ and his blood that reconciles us. It makes us right with him again. You know, Israel, they sinned terribly against God. You know, when Moses was up on that mountain, they they were having a, a crazy party down there. And... But God still loved them. You know, he still loved them. He still, he gave this tabernacle to, to for them to get right with him. He gives them the grace that they don't deserve. Unmerited favor. And he has mercy upon them, just like us. Romans 3.25 says, whom God sent forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because of his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. You know, and that, that word propitiation, in the Greek it's hilasterion, which means mercy seat. Therefore, we can say that Jesus is our mercy seat. You know, our propitiation. Our, our payment in full for our sins. Then you have the, the two cherubim at, at the, both ends of the ark on, on the mercy seat. Both represent God for future redemption. 
Just like in the garden when Adam and Eve were kicked out, the two cherubim guarding the, the, the entrance into the garden in the, you know, to the tree of life so they wouldn't go in there and eat of it and live forever in, in that fallen state. <clears throat> it's also interesting, Xavier just brought up one that I never thought of before, was uh, in, in one of his recent studies about angels, being uh, the tomb of Jesus after he, he had risen. And, and uh, they went in, one of the women, I can't remember which one, uh, Mary or one of them. But she went in and saw the two angels, one at the, at the, at the foot and one at the head. You know, basically the same thing, like on, on the mercy seat. In John twenty twelve, it says, And she saw two angels in, in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, which, where the body of Jesus had lain. That's an interesting note. I, I never looked at that. Next, we have making of the table of showbread. It says in verse 10, He made the table of acacia wood. Two cubits was its length, a cubit its width, a cubit its a cubit and a half its height, and he overlaid it with pure gold and made a molding of gold all around it. Also he made a frame of a hand breadth all around it and made a mold of, molding of gold for the frame all around it and cast for it four rings of gold and put the rings in the four corners that were on the four legs. The rings were close to its frame as holders for the poles to bear the table. And he made the poles of acacia wood to bear the table and overlaid them with gold. He made of pure gold the utensils which were on the table, its dishes, its cups, its bowls, and its pitchers for pouring. You know, this, this table was uh, also made of acacia wood. You know, we, we've learned about acacia wood. You know, it's a very durable wood. Uh, it was three feet in length, uh, a foot and a half wide, and two and a half feet high. And it was crowned with a uh, molding of gold, and this is a handbreadth, which which I, I looked up in a dictionary, online Bible dictionary, and it's talking about. I know I've heard it before. It's, it's this. It's not this. It's it's actually like three to four inches, the width of your hand. <clears throat> so it's a, a, a molding going around the thing. Uh, you know, basically probably for keeping the utensils and things from falling off the sides. The utensils and the bowls were also made of gold. There were, there were to be four rings and two poles overlaid with pure gold to insert at the corners of the four legs in order to carry the table. You know, and, and as we learned before, on this table is to be set 12 loaves of showbread and two rows of six and, and, they're to be out, put out there once once a week on the Sabbath. The showbread, literally, bread of of uh, bread of face or presence. That's what the the word the word showbread means. Was to be eaten only by the priests in the holy place, always in the presence of the Lord. The twelve lo- the twelve loaves uh, also represented the twelve tribes of Israel. And, and this was to be a place of fellowship, of eating and having communion with God. See, these priests would go in the holy place where the, where the, where the table of showbread was. And they would, they would have communion with God. The table of the showbread... I'm sorry, the table and the showbread itself both represented the Lord Jesus Christ. This bread is a reminder that God always provides food for his people. Just like he provided manna in the wilderness, you know, the manna, the bread from heaven, and the, and the word, you know, they called it, what is it? That word manna means what is it? We see later when Jesus came, he fulfilled this symbolism 
by providing food for the 5,000. In John 6, 1 through 13, you know, he, he, he is the living bread who came down from heaven. It says in John 6, 50 through 51, this is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. See, Jesus is the bread of life represented here on this, on this table. It also represented the man, the men, the, the, the tribes of Israel. Coming together in fellowship. But you see every item in that, in that, in that ta- tabernacle had to be sprinkled with the blood of the sacrifice. Because it's only through the blood of Christ that we can come. That we can have fellowship. Atonement. Oneness. At- atonement, you know. It's been mentioned before. At oneness. Or one minute. Jesus wants fellowship and communion with us. And there's only one way. And that's through his blood by the way of the altar. That, and that altar represents the cross. You know, it's the cross of Jesus. Where Jesus was the sacrifice up on that cross. You know, and he said it is finished. Back in the time of Jesus, eating with somebody was a time of intimacy, you know, unlike today. I mean, it might be some places, and, and some of us have once in a while, we have a time that we can eat and have some intimate time with friends or family. But, but man, in our busy life, we're, we're zipsing, and, you know, we hardly have time for anything. And, 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 I mean, like you go to a restaurant or something, you see people, they're not even talking to each other. They're on the phone, <laughs> probably texting somebody else, but... It looks like they're all texting each other, but maybe that's the way they talk nowadays. I don't know. <clears throat> Together. But Jesus wants to have an intimate time with us. You know, they would, they would talk and eat and dip their, their, dip their food in the same bowls of, of, of dips or whatever it was, hummus or, you know, whatever they ate. <clears throat> Sitting on the floor, on, on pillows, at, at, on low tables, just kicking back, you know. They really spent good time with each other and got to know each other intimately. You know, unlike today. In Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. You know, here in this verse, it's talking about... uh, I'm sorry, here in this verse, is talking, he's talking to the lukewarm church of Laodicea who is neither, neither cold or hot, and he wants to vomit them out of his mouth. The sad thing is, is most of the church is going about doing many things, and Jesus isn't even invited in. And I'm not talking about this church, but the, the church on whole, in general, the whole church. Jesus not even invited in. They're doing all kinds of th- programs and things and, and motivational s- speeches and everything in it. But Jesus is not invited in. <clears throat> and he wants to come in and dine with us and be intimate with us. He wants to know our every, you know, he knows everything before we even ask. You know, but he wants to know, he wants us to talk to him, you know. Some some people that new believers they they might you know sometimes they don't know how to pray, but it's just talking to God. You know, pour out your heart to Him, <clears throat> commune with Him, thank Him for everything. Jesus wants to spend intimate time with us and to fill our temple with His glory. We shouldn't be just going about being religious 
Most importantly is that we have intimate relationship with him and are filled with his Holy Spirit doing his will. You know, that, that intimacy with him, and it's just going to have a, a, an outpouring of, of love for him. And we're going we're gonna to desire to do his will. The showbread also speaks to us of the word of God. You know, as, as in uh, John 4, 4, it says, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. See, it's our food, our sustenance. Is We've got to daily eat the word of God. We can't, we can't live by bread alone. We need every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Number three, we have making the gold lampstand. Verse 17, it says, He also made the lampstand of pure gold, of hammered work. He made the lampstand. Its shaft, its branches, its bowls, its ornamental knobs, its flowers were of the same piece. And six branches came out of its sides, three branches of the lampstand out of one side, and three branches out of the lampstand out of the other side. There were three bowls made like almond blossoms, one on one branch with an ornamental knob and a flower, and three bowls made like almond blossoms on the other branch with the ornamental knob and a flower. And so for the six branches coming out of the lampstand, and on the lampstand itself were four bowls made like almond blossoms, each with its ornamental knob and flower. There was a knob under the first two branches of the same, and a knob under the second two branches of the same, and a knob under the third two branches of the same, according to the six branches extending from it. Their knobs and the branches were of one piece. All of this was one hammered piece of pure gold. And he made its seven lamps, its wicked wick trimmers, and its trays of pure gold. Of a talent of pure gold he made it with all its utensils. See, this lampstand was to be a hammered work made like a tree, you know. And its center shaft represented the trunk. And, and you know, that, that trunk represents Christ. You know, in the, in the branches <clears throat> on its side, the center shaft representing Christ and the six branches coming out of it. Well, there was one lamp on top. You know, we've got seven lamps in the, in the book of Revelation, too. Seven uh, lampstands, I should say. We're talking about uh, the church. I'm sure to them it, it was representing Israel. Or their God, I'm not sure. The top of the shaft in each branch was to be made like an almond flower. Each flower held an oil lamp. There are several passages in the Bible that speak of the almond tree, you know, which was the first tree to blossom and bear fruit in the spring. The Apostle Paul calls Christ the first fruits because Jesus was the first to rise from the dead into everlasting life. And because of his resurrection, all believers are also to be raised. Uh, It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 23, But now Christ has risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of all those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order. Christ the first fruits, afterwards those who are Christ in his coming. Also in uh, Romans 8, 23, it says, Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, e- eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. In the tabernacle, the lampstand was to be placed in the holy place. Hebrews 9.12. The lamp was to be tended by Aaron and his sons, and the light was never to go out. The lampstand was to go uh, bring forth light day and night because there, there was no other light inside the tabernacle, no outside light coming in. <clears throat> the lampstand being the only source of light points directly to Christ as being the light of the world. And we see this in John eight twelve. Jesus is the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. 
in John 1, 9. Also in John 1, 3 through 4, it says, All things were, that were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus also calls the church the light of the world in Matthew 5.14. In Revelation 1.20, Jesus said, The seven lampstands are the seven churches. And his church is to, to walk in the light of God in 1 John 1.7 and spread the light of the gospel so that all will glorify God. Matthew 9.16 The most important thing about the lampstand is that it points to Christ as do all the elements in the in the tabernacle this lamp stand like the showbread also speaks of the word of god psalm 119105 says your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path see the word is a light shows us where to go what to do <clears throat> Verse 25 says, He made the incense altar of acacia wood. Its length was a cubit and its width a cubit. It was square and two cubits was its height. Its horns are of one piece and he overlaid it with pure gold. Its top, its sides all around it, its horns and its horns. And he also made for it a molding of gold all around it. He made two rings of gold for it under its molding by its two corners on both sides, as holders for the poles which to bear it. And he made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. This altar of incense, I mean, the altar was to burn incense on, and it was also made of acacia wood and overlaid with gold. It was a foot and a half long and wide. It was square and three feet high with horns of one piece. The piece is also a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wood again, speaking of his humanity, and gold is deity. It also had gold rings of wood and, and wood poles overlaid with gold to transport it. The piece had a central position in the holy place between the table of showbread and the golden lampstand. They were on both sides, and, the, and the, the altar was right before the, the, uh, the veil that, that uh, connected the, the holy place to the Holy of Holies. Aaron was instructed to burn incense on the altar continually each morning and at twilight, every day as, as a regular offering to the Lord. And we see this in Exodus 37 through 8. God gave a specific recipe to make the incense and no other was to be burned on that altar. The coals were to be taken from the brazen altar outside in the, in the courtyard <clears throat> at the door of the tabernacle. In scripture, incense is often associated with prayer. Like in Psalm 141.2, uh, it says, let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. It also says in Revelation 5.8, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayer of the saints. <laughs> I think our prayers are precious to, to the Lord, you know. He loves to hear from us. Hebrews 9.24 says, For Christ has now entered the holy place made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. See, I'm sure the practical uh, function of the incense was most likely to counteract the odors from the, the sacrifices that were going on outside. Daily, you know, happening out in the courtyard. These smells would probably get to them after a while, you know, day in and day out. But this altar speaks of God's people coming to him in prayer. <clears throat> As it rises in front of the ark, you know, 
and the the mercy seat representing the throne of God. And it also represents represents the altar in heaven where Jesus intercedes on our behalf. It says in Hebrews 7.25, Therefore he is able to save to the uttermost, uttermost those who come to, him through, come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Also the Holy Spirit intercedes for us when we don't know what to pray. Romans 8.26-27 Likewise the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows that the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. See, even when we don't know what to pray, the, the Holy Spirit intercedes. Christ intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. And, and God wants to hear those prayers. Fifth and last, making the anointing oil and the incense. Verse 29, it says, He also made the holy anointing oil and the pure incense of sweet spices according to the work of the perfumer. They were to make this from only, again, only the ingredients that God gave them and never use it for anything else. For the anointing, the holy anointing oil, it says in Exodus 30, 23, 3 through 24, also take for yourself quality spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half, a, half as much sweet-smelling cinnamon, 250 shekels, 250 shekels of sweet-smelling cane, 500 shekels of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hen of olive oil. Moses was to use this anoint, anointing to anoint everything in the tabernacle. You see this in Leviticus 8.10, consecrating everything to the Lord. You know, I've also done a similar thing at my house. I take anointing oil, and I, and I go in there, and I, I anointed everything at my house to consecrate it to the Lord. You know, this is, this is God's house, my house. You know, and I suggest that. If you, if you were living a, a life of sin, and, and when you came to Christ, you know, you know, if you're new in Christ, you know, do that with your house. Even if you're old, you know, you're, you're consecrating it. it. Of course, the oil, there's no magic to the oil, but it's symbolism, you know, and it, and it shows where your heart is, you know, when you, when you, you use that to uh, consecrate. Give everything you got to God, especially ourselves. For the instance, it says in Exodus 30. 34 through 35, and the Lord said to Moses, Take sweet spices, stacte and onicha and galbanum, and pure frankincense with these sweet spices. There shall be equal amounts of each. You shall make of these incense, a compound according to the art of the perfumer, salt, pure, and holy. So this is, this, these are the items of the tabernacle. The uh, for, number one, making in the ark of the testimony, the presence of God with us, making the table of showbread, the importance of fellowship with God, making of the golden lampstand, Jesus is our light. Fourth, making the altar of incense, our prayers that always go before Him, and fifth, making the anointing oil in the incense consecrating our lives to God. You know, all these represent Jesus and his redemption, guys. It's, it's, uh, it's amazing what God has done for us. You know, it's all about Jesus. All through the word of God, it's all about Jesus. You know, sometimes we think, we think oh, I've got to do this or that. Jesus is our tabernacle. Jesus is the items in the tabernacle. He's everything. One day we're going to be in heaven. We're going to see this altar, this throne of God before, before Almighty God. We're going to be bound down worshiping Him. We're all going to fall to our faces worshiping the Holy God. And, and, and the thing is, let's do it now. Let's do it now. We have the, the living God. Our tabernacle is right here in our heart.
You know, Jesus is with us. Let's live in these last days, you know, for the Lord and see what he has for us. We've got, we've got to be a light. Go out. Go out. Let's reach out to the, the world around us, you know. That's my, my exhortation, you know. I don't know how the study was, but my exhortation is let's, let's do the work of God. Let's be filled with his spirit. Let's, let's, let's bring him into the, the fold while, while there's still time. Because when, you know, when we get raptured or, or taken out, die, whatever, we go to heaven, we're not going to be able to preach the gospel anymore. We're not going to have other opportunities. We have a, like Xavier says, we have a window, window of opportunity. And, the, you know, that window is short, so let's take that time. Take that time to reach out in the power of the Holy Spirit and with love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Father. We thank you for all the, the types, the, the symbolism, everything about your glory, your splendor, your majesty, your goodness, your mercy, all that you do, Lord. I just pray for each and every one of my brothers here, Lord. Just go before us, Lord. Help us to reach out. Help us to love. Help us to see your glory. Fills the temple. We thank you, Lord, and go before us now. We give this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.